Hey folks, I know last week we had a Without Compromise episode that was a crossover. That's the other show I host, Without Compromise, from Athletic Brewing, which is my day job, non-alcoholic craft beer. You may have heard of it if you hadn't. Uh, It's really good uh, non-alcoholic craft beer. I know that sounds like an oxymoron, um, but here at Athletic Brewing, or here at Adventure Sports Podcast, sorry, confusing the two, we like to go against the grain, and I like to do that in my day job too. So it's perfect for me, um, who who likes to do things differently, likes to talk to people who are doing things differently. And uh, today's guest is actually one of our athletes, our, our pro athletes at Athletic Brewing, Malia Manuel, who has been on the World Surf League for like a decade and a half, no, a decade and some change now. And we're talking to her about like what motivates her, how she stays um fit and and kind of like mentally strong and uh, just kind of her lifestyle. So a little different for our show. Um, I didn't mean to book two right next to each other, but we have some very adventure sports podcast-esque episodes surrounding this, like on from Thursday, um, Heather Anderson, and then coming up, we're going to be talking to uh, there's going to be a throwback to a really cool episode. Um, But I am out of town right now. I am at, let's see, what day is it? October 31st. I am at the Outdoor Media Summit today, and uh, we are a gathering of media from the outdoor industry all over the country, uh, meeting at Lake Tahoe, North Lake Tahoe. So I'm there. If you're there, come say hello. If you're near there, come say hello. Um, If not, it should be some really cool stuff. A lot of the episodes from this year, 2022, came from connections that I made at the Outdoor Media Summit last year, and I expect this summit to produce the same results. We're going to be meeting literally hundreds of people in media, podcasts, journalists, gear review folks, um, marketing folks, all from the outdoors. So I'm doing that, so I prepped all these episodes ahead of time. So enjoy. Enjoy Malia's story, and yeah, happy Halloween. Welcome. How you doing? Hi, Mason. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, so I, I, I think I hear some birds in the background or something. And maybe a dog you too. Do. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> a little <laughs> bit of everything. <laughs> a couple roosters. Yeah. It's... Oh, it's morning. What time is it, by the way? It's uh, almost 9 a.m. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much for joining us today i know it's it's like i'm on the east coast of the u.s so it's almost three o'clock here and uh oh my gosh this is so cool so good to be able to talk to you now i know you were born and raised there is that where you still are in the the town of wailua yes i was born and raised on the island of Kauai. it's um, a little island off our main island in honolulu is our state but um yeah i'm fifth generation from this island on my dad's side yeah, it's been a pleasure to grow up in such a beautiful place. I'm still here. I'm still in love with it. And I am always um, going to have Kauai in my heart, no matter where I go. Five generations, I know a lot has probably changed in the sense of development. But ha- have you noticed a lot of change in your lifetime in where you live? I have and I haven't. Um, you know, the feeling of that magical feeling you get when you're hiking in the mountains or or surfing, um, some of the surf breaks here hasn't changed. And, um, you know, with over time, a, a lot of things have changed, but that feeling and that sense of magic you get when you, when you're on Island hasn't changed one bit. That is too cool. So, so you're, you're totally in love. It wasn't like, I got to get out of here. 
go find my own path. It's like, no, this, this is about as good as it gets on earth. <laughs> yeah, I'm so thankful. Yeah, I think Kauai and the community and this island has shaped me to be who I am um, as a surfer and as a, a person. So I'm, I'm so thankful. And yeah, I think, um, you know, the simplicity of it is, is awesome. And I think just the uniqueness of an island life and I, I love it. <laughs> We've got the, the ocean and the mountains. I, w- I wanted to ask you before we jump into kind of like how you got into surfing and all that, what's a big misconception about living in Hawaii? Because you, you've been able to travel the world and surf and, you know, I'm sure people are always like, oh, you live there. That's wonderful. At least everyone that like went and did that <laughs> shoot lately from athletic, they were all like, I can't believe that's your life. It's incredible. What's a big misconception that we all don't realize? Oh my gosh. Um, that's a good question. I think, I don't know. I mean, yeah, we don't wear coconut bras and, um, walk around in uh, tea leaf skirts all the time. Oh, you don't. Oh, wow. We do. We do over here. I'm just kidding. That's hilarious. Or or is it, yeah, is life just as good as it seems? It is. I mean, anywhere in the world, you know, you have your ups and downs, but it is pretty lovely. Um, and where I'm from, it's very slow. So it does, it definitely takes a certain person to live here. Like I know a lot of people fall in love, um, coming and visiting, but it also, you know, it takes a certain personality to be content with, uh, maybe like a slower paced life. Interesting. Be- because mm-hmm. you're obviously competitive and, and highly competitive in the sense of just what you've achieved. And, uh, as a pro surfer, did, did you find it challenging to keep that competitive edge in a place that's so laid back? I did. Yeah. I definitely had to learn how to be competitive and it took a very long time. I started surfing contests around eight and, you know, just growing up in this community, everyone kind of knows whose turn it is in the water and everyone's like very, very close and you can't really get away with anything on this island. And so I kind of grew up with, you know, that, lifestyle and when you take that into competing it's uh not gonna work out (laughs) most times (laughs) it's a different beast and so I definitely had to learn how to turn that switch on which was really difficult um you know I I could get into that competitive mode but then when I was younger like I couldn't turn it off so my personality outside of competing was kind of the same um maybe a bit fiery or whatever, however you want to describe the mode that you can, that you can get in or athletes can get in when competing. And it's, it's taken a long time to know when the right time is to turn that mode on and, and turn that mode off and where to put your energy as far as like competing. And then as far as real life. Cause I know your parents were avid surfers. I read stories about them literally like taking places, watching you as the other ones surf on the beach. And and was that, they didn't compete at all though, right? No, my, my parents are just complete passion surfers. Um, They're so passionate and they actually met surfing. So my mom flew over to Kauai for her 21st birthday and never left. (laughs) Wow. From California, right? Yeah. From California. And uh, my dad was like the only nice one that would give waves <laughs> out in the lineup. Supposedly, that's the story. <laughs> True gentleman. Yeah. They just love surfing. They knew where they wanted to go the night before, like with forecasts and tide and wind. And so 
they knew exactly where to be the next morning. And, um, you know, my dad is still extremely passionate, surfs probably longer than I do on most days. And, um, yeah, they, they never really got into competing. My dad did a couple events, but it was mostly just the love of surfing and being in the ocean and being at the beach and that lifestyle. Fortunately, you know, I got to spend a lot of time with my parents and growing up at the beach and it kind of never was forced by my parents. It just kind of became who I am. <laughs> so, so you're not one of those cases where, cause we, you know, we see it all the time. Parents living mm-hmm. vicariously through their kids through competition. Like, oh, I, I didn't go as far as I wanted. So I'm going to kind of push my kids to be um, something I wasn't. So I, I guess that wasn't the case with you. So how did competition even enter the picture? Of course. Yeah. Fortunately, um, I was going to school and then I kind of started doing homeschool um, at one point around third grade. And my parents just wanted me to have weekends with kids and socializing. And they kind of highly suggested that I didn't like being hot and on a soccer field. (laughs) And so I got convinced that I loved surfing in a way that, you know, just being at the beach and in the ocean. And so I started surfing um, Menahuni contests, which are just like kid contests for fun on the weekends. And of course, met a lot of friends that I still have till this day. And that's kind of how it started. It was just for fun. Like my mom would bring treats and make brownies for all the kids and we'd have, you know, the contest, but that really didn't matter. It was just about, you know, hanging out on the beach. And yeah, it was so fun. We had the best kid contests you could possibly ask for um, growing up. So that was so, so fun. And opportunities, you know, slowly and slowly kind of arose from competing as far as little sponsorships with companies and little like modeling things. And and then I went back to school because I I wanted to graduate with, you know, the friends and kind of have a a normal life. And then... um, you know, just the opportunity just kept coming and doors kept opening and it was harder and harder to commit to being present at school. And so I took my GED when I was 16 and kind of pursued more professional junior events and started traveling a lot more and, you know, just seizing the opportunities that were there at the time. Sounds like the healthiest childhood ever <laughs> leading up to that. <laughs> really, really friendly competitions, brownies on the beach. It just sounds fantastic. Um, obviously, you were showing talent early on, but you never, at least from what I read, you weren't like convinced you were going to be great. You were almost like doubting yourself. Like I, I read, for instance, when you right before you won, uh, at 14, the U.S. Open, uh, you told your mom to only park at the beach for an hour, like only pay for an hour, so that because I'm because <laughs> I'm going to be over really quick. But obviously, you were there longer than an hour. W- was that just surprising your your level of uh, success at that point, or was it something you were honestly hoping for? Yeah, well, it was surprising. I mean, you know, I love I love surfing, and I kind of fell in love with competing in a way, like for me, it was kind of like a chess, like chess. And I, I really loved um, academics and school. And so for me, I kind of looked at it at competing pretty analytically, like, as far as like playing the game and, and 
and having plans and kind of creating my own plan and being in control of what I could control. And then, um, you know, but then there's also that kind of unpredictability and that unknown too. So that kind of is intriguing. And so I kind of was just present with that and just going with the flow. I was, I was extremely young to even know what I could get out of surfing at the time. Um, so I had no idea what was possible. Um, and then with the U.S. Open, I was 14 and I got a wild card slot from my sponsor. Um, I was saving up for a car, my first car. And I was like, I, uh, hopefully I can make a couple heats and, it, you know, it'll go towards my car. So I always had this like goal for that event. And what was funny is like, even till this day now, like my mom and I like won't pay for parking all day because it's like now it's like a superstition, like just pay for an hour. We'll see how it goes, you know, like. <laughs> Don't want to jinx it. <laughs> oh, we'll make flights for like flying out on the final day. And if you make the final, we'll change them. Like there's still little bits of that that are still stem from when I was 14 and that um, amazing moment um, and pinnacle turning point um, in my teenage years for, for my career. <laughs> that is so wild. Yeah. So, so you were the youngest to win, mm-hmm. not even old enough to drive, but I know you were saving up no. for a car. That's hilarious. <laughs> I did read yeah. you were like, all right, if I win this way, if I can get new rims, if I win this way, if I can get a radio or, or, or yep. like something. That's, exactly. Yeah. That is awesome. A it, motivation it, always helps. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Maybe it's still rims. I don't know, but I'm sure it's it's changed <laughs> beyond that. But uh, I, I guess I want to know, you know, that was totally unexpected by you in a lot of ways, but also by the surfing world. What were some of the biggest maybe not culture shocks, but like life changes that took place post winning the U S open from going from, you know, a a regular 14 year old that loves to surf, lives in Hawaii as regular as that can be, but also, but going from that to winning, what changed? Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. Yeah, uh, quite a few things. Like I got invited to go to the Mentawise on a boat trip, and I got sponsored by Nike. Um, and then I had also a lot of other opportunities to enter more prestigious events. So a lot had changed over the course of from that win and fall, continuing for the next um year and and beyond um but those were some some major things as far as you know having great sponsorship and being able to be supported and travel and compete how I wanted to as far as like having enough resources to bring my mom on the road and do everything right stay in a nice place feel comfortable you know, invest in, um, you know, equipment or eating well and all of that thanks to, you know, the sponsorship and support and, and them realizing and knowing like as a young girl, like I might need all of these things as far as like having a parent there and continuing a healthy path to, to hopefully be the best I could be and, and become as successful as I could. And what was at that time success, like the the range of success to you? Was it winning as much as possible or was it placing top five? 
I know that it was it's hard to get back on that podium, but what were right, you viewing as success? Yeah, you usually you usually lose more than you win in surfing events. <laughs> um, I thought it was just sure. me. <laughs> <I'm> just <kidding>. <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't the the thought of winning, but as far as surfing, like you have what's called the World Championship Tour, the WCT, and that is the highest level of competing and competitive surfing that you could be involved in, and that. Um, only consists of 18 women and you have to go through a tour to qualify for that tour. And so that became the goal was to be on this world championship tour going for what we call a world title in surfing. And that's like uh, up until this most recent Olympics, like that is, that's our Olympics. That's like who determines um, you know, the best surfer in the world in multiple different conditions and, and determines like consistency in a surfer. And so for me, success at that, when I was that young at 15 was to make, to make the tour. That was the goal as far as, um, you know, once allowing to get that support and that on, and those sponsorships, that was the main, the main success, uh, goal at that time. And how was that going? It was great. I mean, I got to qualify the first year that I tried. I made I made the CT um, at the end of uh, when I was 16. So uh, 2012 was my first full year on tour. And then, and that was amazing. Um, it's been an incredible journey. And we get to go to about 10 events a year around the world and compete in some incredible places and without the tour and without I think that level of surfing and the generation of women surfers that I'm surrounded by like I wouldn't be the surfer I am today without it um it's it's really helped me elevate to places that I never thought I I would be and I'd love honestly Maybe just a little explanation about how it works, just the World Surf League, because I know it's a sport that can be niche or a lot of people don't know about mm -hmm. it. They might be listening to this and it, it, like just how like the points work and how, like you said, there's 10 events or so or a few mm -hmm. events around the world that you qualify for and it all leads up to rankings and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So the simplest way to put it is kind of like, uh, so there's 18, 18 elite women on this tour and um, there's 10 events and we're basically trying there's brackets of course so you have like round one round two round three until you're um, you know everyone gets eliminated to the final which is just two people and you're competing basically for points to accumulate points um, you know like best eight out of 10 events is what we count and so you know, throughout the year, you surf all these rounds and heats at each event, and you accumulate a certain amount of points based on your placing. And whoever has um, the most consistency and the highest amount of points goes for the world title and or and or wins a world title if you're number one at the end of the year. Um, this year, it's changed a little bit. The um, top five kind of compete out of just one day for the world title. But um, for majority of my career, it was like at the end of the year, 
best eight out of 10 events, you become world champion. Now, now I know that that has been elusive for you over the years. How have you been able to process that? And, and what have you learned the most from um, still still trying to get there, still striving for that? Yeah, it's a lot of, I mean, my love for competing changes throughout the years. Um, it's, you know, the first handful of years, it's really just trying to find your place and what makes you comfortable on the road for so long. We're, we're gone traveling and, um, you know, not home and not ha having consistency as far as like a home base for most of the year. And so those first few years, I was really just trying to survive. It was kind of just like surviving, getting to know the places that I've, you know, that I've traveled and surfed and a lot of the places we go back to year after year. And so it's kind of just like research and development in um, these foreign places and these foreign waves and what, what makes me feel the most comfortable to, and most clear headed so that I can use my instincts in the ocean. And that was, you know, the majority of year one through five, um, being on tour and then slowly as I got more and more comfortable and pushing the level of surfing, it's like, how, how can I get better and stay relevant? And so that's kind of where my focus was and how can I stay consistent and what's making me get fifth place only in, in most of these events? Like why is, you know, why are the semis and finals just like at my fingertips, but kind of just, you know, floating out to the horizon, but like, I can't, can't reach it. And so there's all, there's different phases in my career. And for me, um, I obviously wouldn't have dedicated <laughs> a third of my life or half of my life to competing and not wanting to win a world title. But there's, there are expectations like that, but um, you know, it's a marathon. And so I always got really good advice on enjoying the journey and like what it takes to be a full well-rounded surfer and and for me I have different priorities whether that's um you know everyone's different but as far as like not compromising style and like creating like strength and grace while surfing and how can I you know have that unique look and be happy with how I'm surfing and not, you know, just making these five people slash judges, um, you know, impress like what's gonna, what, how am I gonna leave a mark with my surfing as far as in, in a stylish way, instead of like, oh, I just want to impress these people because my career depends on it. You know, obviously that's a part of it. And how I need to stay on tour, but there's also so many different elements when it comes to, you know, being fulfilled in such a unknown and chaotic environment in the ocean. You know, you've been a pro for so long. Uh, just is that typical of a professional surfer or are you kind of defying, I don't know, the expectation in that sense too, like when you won the U.S. Open at 14? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty typical. I think my generation, if you are on tour right now, like you definitely have been competing and surfing for most of your life. And you have been going through the different levels from 
when you're a kid and into the juniors into like semi-pro and then uh, becoming professional it definitely takes consistency and dedication and you know there are millions of great surfers in the world but it takes that little bit of extra dedication and grit and um, mental strength and you know dedicating a lot to your body and health um, to sustain such a lifestyle and sustain it at the highest level um, so it is, it is a minority, uh, you know, there are, my generation is probably the longest running generation on, on tour and, um, everyone is still getting better, which is so amazing. Yeah. I'm very lucky to be surrounded by, um, the people I am right now in surfing. That is too cool. And now I know you've, there's a few instances that you've, uh, you've dealt with injuries. What was your mindset going into, being injured, like, okay, got to get through this, especially the most recent one. I think it was in 2019. Was that the worst of the, of the two incidents or have, has there been more? Um, oh, I think, well, all of all injuries are pretty <laughs> unfortunate and kind of one of my biggest fears because I don't get to surf. I don't get to move as much, yeah. you know, I'm, um, taken away from, from traveling and surfing. And so, um, my first injury, when I tore my MCL, it was my first major injury. And that was, um, I believe, 2017. And I had not known what injuries are like and how long I'd be out and away from surfing. And I kind of denied it for a really long time, probably for the first like few weeks. I was I was like, oh, I'll be back. I'll be, you know, be here. I'll be there. And I kind of really denied the fact that um, the universe was just telling me to slow down and stop <laughs> at this point. And so it took me quite a long time because that was my first injury and not really, you know, taking responsibility of the fact that like I should just focus on that acute thing. And you know, I've torn three MCLs <laughs> over the course of my career. And I think each, each injury is a blessing in disguise now um and that's how I deal with it and and kind of just being able to recenter and refocus on what's important to me in my life and my career and my body and um I kind of enjoy putting a lot of energy and time back into my body and and injuries are what gives me an immense amount of time um with myself mentally and physically and you know I've met such incredible knowledgeable people through um, physical therapy and you know acupuncture and nutrition and so that whole side of injury I've kind of taken as a positive um through throughout my my career and um you know it is what it is and um you know with the ocean and how powerful it is and the amount of um, repetition that our bodies go through in the same movement, you know, it's, it's definitely not, um, symmetrical. And so there's a lot to surfing and that pressure as well and the stress. And so it all, you know, can come about in, in an injury. And I think with any injury, whatever sport, you know, you have to kind of just take a step back and, and refocus and, you know, just accept what's happening. That's kind of what I've learned through, through injuries. 
Well, I mean, once it happens, can't change it. It's uh, it happened. You can't reverse that. So moving forward and dealing with it is the best way to go about it. How how is how is the tour going this year? How how are you feeling? How are you approaching? And what's next for twenty twenty two? Yeah, it's it's been a quite the shakeup on tour this year. Uh, I started out really well. Like we had our first full event at Pipeline this year, which is really exciting and scary. You know, I had to spend a lot of time last winter getting to know that wave and being out with the intensity and the crowd and, you know, the the wave itself. And so that was pretty exciting. And we had, had a really great event at Sunset Beach, which also is a, a, a very tricky wave. So I was very, very proud and excited that I made the final there because it is probably one of the more, more difficult waves to read and get to know, um, especially, you know, if, if you're not from there and haven't surfed there too much. Yeah. And then this year there's, there was like a cut that happened. And so only the top 10 are continuing on for the second half of the year. And I, I had missed that by 60 points and, and then I didn't get the wild card for the rest of the year. And so at this point right now, I'm just kind of living life and I'm traveling to places that I've always wanted to go, but didn't have an event at. And so um, I just got back from Tahiti and I'm going back to the Mentawais next week. Um, I haven't been back there in like 11 years. So um, as far as the rest of my year, you know, I'm an unfortunate thing is me missing the cut. But also the most fortunate thing is that I have the support to travel to these places and and hopefully you know create a couple short films and series and and kind of reassess at the end of the year if I want to continue competing or not but yeah that's where I'm where I'm at at the moment would you say this is a crossroads in some ways yes and no I know like or something new yeah something new I think um I've compete competed for so long and I've had so much fun but there's also been so much hardship and I mean there with any job there's disappointment and with any job there's ups and downs and I've taken so much gratitude from competing and and the tour and and um you know it's it's not going to be forever competing in the tour and so I'm kind of looking forward to other projects and working on other things right now but I all I am very competitive so I do miss it and who knows what'll happen. Maybe I'll in a couple months wanna get back on and, and strive for that again. But right now this summer I've just had other opportunities to surf and film in new places. And so um right now that's really, really exciting to me. It's fantastic. And speaking of exciting or, or um new things, what have been some of the changes you've seen in professional surfing over the years? Uh, especially as it relates to women surfing. And how do you feel about the future of the sport? Yeah, I've I've seen a lot. I feel like I've been in like a metamorphosis of change in women's surfing since when I first got on tour. Like my first year, first couple of years, we maybe had, you know, not even 10 events. And, you know, our year was cut short and it finished in June. And, you know, we didn't have as good of waves as the guys and, um everything was pretty expensive to travel and our prize money was, you know, not the 
greatest. And so throughout the years, as far, oh, you know, coming along with progression and the, how much um, advancement the women have, you know, elevated in their surfing and has come along with, you know, equal prize money now and better events and really good conditions and running the event on the same day as the guys, you know, having that equal opportunity as far as like conditions and wave height. And, you know, it's, it's really come a long way and it's super cool to, to be in it from the beginning, kind of when things were like, you know, at one point we didn't even have priority in the ocean, which is like, you know, when someone takes a wave, it's your turn next. And so like, it's, you know, in the beginning of my career, like we didn't even have that in some of the first rounds. And now it's like so professional and very organized and very high quality event sites and places that we get to go. And so um, I do really appreciate it because I've, I've also competed in <laughs> less of conditions and less prize money back when I first started. <laughs> you, you seem so positive about it too, like in the sense of just cheerful. Is this, would you say that's one of your strengths? Just, I, I've read a lot about people often talk about your attitude or your positivity. Oh, Is that you. just how you are? <laughs> or Yeah, <laughs> I mean everyone has good and bad days but I mean as far as like surfing I just love surfing so much and it's so I'm very thankful for the life that I've created from surfing and from competing and so you know that's kind of where my positivity comes from like I'm the life I get to live I'm so thankful for and like a lot of my days revolve around you know trying to elevate my surfing and my health and I get to focus my energy a lot um on on that and like being the best version of me and so I don't take that for granted and so a lot of it is due from surfing and so um yeah it's it's a great life and I think and it's only going to get better I think there's just so much more opportunity now as as athletes as a whole and not just like oh you're just a surfer and so and I've and I've seen that, um, you know, firsthand with a lot of different um, brand opportunities. And, you know, surfing is one of the most intriguing sports in the world and also has the hardest learning curve. So it also is what's so intriguing as well. <laughs> you know, and the ocean is like super humbling and unpredictable. And I think that's why a lot of people, you know, keep coming back to it and, and, you know, the progression and the technology and the equipment and everything just keeps getting elevated year after year. And it's super exciting, you know, and it's, it's very professional and taken, uh, you know, like a lot of athletes are taking to account, like how serious it is now. And it's awesome to see. And it's a, it's a great community and, um, you know, it's, it's not going anywhere. That's for sure. <laughs> Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. Yeah, no, I think I think the water's there to stay. Too cool. Well, I love it. I love I love the outlook. You know, that's very much <laughs> Thank our, you. <laughs> our our CEO 
Bill Shufelt might be the most positive person I've ever met in our in my life in <laughs> athletic. And you're you're very similar in that sense, just very positive. <laughs> I know we're not seeing each other now, but you were smiling the whole time. I'd love to ask you a couple uh, rapid fire questions. Um, Let's do now. it now. Yeah. So here here's my official warning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are you most curious about right now outside of surfing? Nature, nature for me keeps me curious. Um, I love the feeling I get out in nature. And so it could be anywhere in the world. I'm really curious um, about nature. Nature. There, I got to follow up with this because that's like my biggest passion in the world is the outdoors. Um, (laughs) Nature. Obviously, the ocean is natural. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. When people say nature, a lot of times it goes straight to forest or or covered areas like that what's what's nature to you in that sense yeah I think well we could go on and on about this but for me um I'd like to start at home actually nature and like where my ancestors came from and like how they got here and and the culture like nature and culture for me I'm very curious about like I want to continue to learn like um you know, where I came from and the traditions that have, you know, stemmed from being Hawaiian. And so um, I'd like to start that curiosity at home and kind of like track that. And it's a reason why I went to Tahiti too, because I feel like a connection there as far as like, you know, like my ancestors, maybe even, you know, sailing from there to Hawaii and and um, so that's like really intriguing. It's like nature and culture and how can I continue that tradition being Hawaiian, which would for me, it's hula and dancing. And, and um, you know, hula is uh, storytelling in movement. And so I'm very curious about that and wanting to spend more time at home and in nature for me here and then exploring like other culture and nature you know, I've always really wanted to go to Machu Picchu or, you know, see the pyramids. And uh, there's just so much in the world that I want to see. And I love being outside and I love being in the mountains. And and that as far as like movement and hiking and, you know, just being in, the, in a natural element and a natural state around the world. But first, starting here at home. <laughs> oh, nothing better. Nothing better than being outside. Mm-hmm. What would you say your proudest achievement is outside of your career? <laughs> I that's a good one. That's a good question. <laughs> Out of surfing. <laughs> I'd like to say um I'd like to say I have I'm surrounded by some really great people. I, I have some really great friends and I I think that's one of my proudest things is having friends and family that have been with you through a lot and are still there for you and so i think that's one of my proudest achievements is is having some good friends that is that's a great answer i love that biggest goal not yet achieved Ooh, that's a great one biggest goal yes you didn't know this was therapy right (laughs) yeah i love this (laughs) um you know i really want to make a short film um and and somehow be creative I want to create art and in maybe like a film format of some sorts I I love 
kind of like a, that creative side that I get to, you know, hopefully dabble in as far as maybe traveling and creating a short film of some sorts or, um, you know, storytelling for me. I really want to storytell in some way. And I think, um, you know, traveling and videography and filming might be that outlet for me. And so, yeah, I really want to, I want to storytell. Um, hopefully that happens soon <laughs> is that surfing or is that just other stories I think fiction, a little bit of surfing but i i want to you know surfing is so relatable in other ways that aren't like directly correlated with like the act the physical like thing of like actually doing surfing and so i don't know i want to like relate to people in a, a broader community um as far as you know creating like a healthy lifestyle and um you know relating my experiences with surfing but it doesn't have to be like about surfing you know um surfing is kind of like mindful meditation and so you know maybe just creating or talking to talking stories uh telling stories about you know other people's experiences that can relate to the ocean or surfing but it doesn't have to be about surfing but kind of diving more into culture and, um, people, you know, other people's stories. That's exciting. As you get to these goals, uh, what's a daily habit you stick to? Oh, have, this is a whole other podcast of habits. <laughs> habits. <laughs> oh, the man. only thing I can control as an athlete being a surfer and being in the ocean <laughs> is routine and habit. Um, no, but consider, I mean, consistency kind of creates flow and or sustains flow and so I'm really big on habits and routine and yeah I mean for me it's I love a little a morning routine because I feel like that sets up my day and and kind of like gives me that moment to reflect and like what I want to accomplish in the day so I think some like a morning routine um, is always very important and trying to become the best version of myself, whether that's through eating and eating right, drinking, you know, to each his own. But that's kind of my focus is, you know, creating those healthy habits and that lifestyle and, um, you know, to sustain, to be able to prolong surfing and doing what I love. Mm-hmm. So, so the question was daily habits you stick to and your answer is yes, all of them. Many. All of it. All Everything. Habits. Habits. <laughs> Good and bad. Good and bad. <laughs> no, I love that. Um, let's see. I, I, I've, I've heard, seen this one before. You know, Someone asked you this before, but let's see if there's anything different. Uh, a hobby that you have that folks don't know about or you don't talk about a lot. Oh, I am yoga teacher certified. I got my yoga teacher training over COVID, so that is really fun and I love teaching yoga sculpt and yeah creating exercises and creating the playlists for my workout classes like that's really fun for me um that probably not a lot of people know yet <laughs> that's awesome very cool yeah um yeah. do you have a favorite athletic brewing beer I do I like run wild that's the most that's the one that is my go-to um, athletic brew beer I love that was the yeah. first one I ever had and still to this day Definitely I know, me too. It's often. kind of like my first, you know. <laughs> I do like the athletic light, though. That is also very satisfying. Yes. Especially in the summer. I'm loving that at the moment, too. But those are my 
favorite too, athletic brews. So, so, you know, on each of those cans, it says brew without compromise, uh, because we, you know, obviously non-alcoholic beer is a totally different idea. Not a lot of people doing that. It was a kind of against the grain and to do something different, you kind of have to, you know, do it excellently, but it, you, know, you you can't just isolate excellence in one area of your life. You kind of have to mm-hmm. live without compromise, like those daily habits you're talking about. And so we, yeah, we say, Absolutely. you say to brew without compromise, you got to live without compromise. What does it mean to you to live without compromise? That's a great question. Um, I think being like having an open mind is, is, is a big one for me. And and not compromising your feelings. Like I think how you feel is, you know, your gut feeling is usually always right. And so like not going against that and not compromising like how you feel to, you know, whatever it is, make other people happy or whatever that may be. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.